supercalifragilístico espiralidoso. Welcome to Mysterious World with Pablo Amira and Stuart Palm. Join us as we connect across time and space, exploring the mysteries of our world and your world. Welcome to this episode of Mysterious World. Today we have special guest Art Vanderlei, who is a cryptozoologist and elemental manipulator. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Okay, elemental manipulator. Actually, before we get into the, the, the cryptozoology side and the UFO side of this episode, I'm going to ask what, what is an elemental manipulator? Um, an elemental manipulator is quite a, uh, a poncy title that I gave myself. Um, I thought it was uh, very, very cool and suave and original until I realized that a lot of manga and anime people have been using it for years. It's basically the ability to manipulate the elements such as earth, air, fire, water, um, almost being able to control the world around you. I'm sure quite a lot of people know what cloud busting is and other um, little things such as fire bending and water bending. So it's basically that really, making water shoot up, uh, waterfalls flow upwards, uh, manipulate fire and sculpt clouds into the shape of animals. So in it some ways you, you deal with perception as well. What was that, sorry? In some ways you deal with perception as well. Just you, yes, definitely. You're a reality manipulator, I'm assuming. Of course, yes. Fantastic. Always manipulating people's realities. Well, I'm, I'm in that business as well. I quite enjoy manipulating the realities of people. And uh, I believe Pablo is as well. Pablo is here with us. How are you, Pablo? Very good, thanks. Early morning here in Chile, enjoying the conversation. Hi, Matt. Hello, Pablo. So we are connecting at three points around the globe today. It is 10.35 p.m. here in Hong Kong on Wednesday. And I believe it is the morning or the midday for you. How, what time is it for you, uh, Art? Uh, 3.35 p.m. All right. And uh, Pablo? In here, 11.37 a.m. Wednesday. Cool. So we, we are well, well spanning the globe. Isn't modern technology fantastic? Exactly. So um, in terms of elemental manipulation, when I was maybe seven or eight years old, maybe a little bit older, somebody told me that if I laid down and stared at the clouds, I could make them disappear. And I loved that. And I've been doing it ever since. And um, I taught my younger sister to do it. And it wasn't till her late 20s that she started to think maybe that it wasn't all that she had thought it was and that her mind wasn't able to do that. Um, although I love keeping the idea that your mind is able to do that and not um, being skeptical about the situation. Um, have you, Pablo, have you done cloud bursting? Is that something that you're familiar with? 
I I know the concept. I I don't do it. But as you in in my childhood, I had that that dreams and even that imaginary power that I can control rain. I live in the south of Chile, and there's a lot of rain during autumn and during winter. So uh, when I hear a lot of rain outside the house, I start to say to the rain to stop. And amazing love, it happens and it works. A That's lot of great. Times. Yeah, I, I, and even at this time of my life, I, I played with that concept and I controlled the wind and just for fun for myself, of course. But but you can see in there the the, the nature of the human mind that starts to believe in some crazy things and sometimes we believe in those things so it's amazing fantastic i agree um yeah a- another strange trait that i i've always had um that i picked up from my mother is the ability to turn off uh or make lights turn off outside and this is something that we observed as kids all the time, especially if we were in two cars. If I was in the car with my father and my mother was in the car in front, which probably is a phenomenon that only happens in America, that people, families drive around in two cars. But, but you watch, you'd watch your car go down the road, and as it's going down the road, the street lights would turn off as it passed underneath. And I have many yeah. memories of, of noting that this phenomenon was pretty consistent. And I have experienced myself walking by many streetlights and having them turn off. And so just uh, decided that I've picked up this ability. And I love these things that exist where there is no way to prove or disprove them. You just observe them in your life. Like the, the phenomenon of thinking of someone and their phone ringing, which everybody's had. Um, yeah. Only I think caller ID kind of ruins the mystery it used to have. <laughs> when you didn't know who it was when you picked up. And you're like, oh, my God, I was just thinking of you. And here you are. But I imagine that a lot of those kinds of phenomenon come into play with, with your work art, that, that that's part of your reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, like what going to Pab- uh, like you and Pablo said, um, it's one of those things that some people believe that it's not just in the mind. It could be something natural. I mean, going back to cloud busting, everybody knows that clouds disappear on their own. But if you stare at a cloud and say to yourself over and over again, vanish, 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 you will start to see it vanish quicker and disappear a lot faster. It's an amazing thing. And like you also say, it's one of those things that can't be proved or disproved, much like lots of things in the universe. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if we take those experiences as games, as natural games, as ways to learn and to enjoy, just that without any any other function, we we enjoy it much better. I have used cloud busting for myself to become healed about migraine because I suffer a lot of migraines, and whenever I have one and I have a cloud to bust, I do it and I use it as a focus, uh, as a as a concentration point, and I feel better. That sounds great. I'm going to try that next time. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of things that cannot be explained, today's episode is about UFOs, strange sightings, 
and things that people see and can't explain in the world. Um, before we got on, uh, Art was talking a little bit about his um, observations on Bigfoot and uh, what he knows about Bigfoot. Tell us, what, what is your interest in, in the phenomenon of Bigfoot, Art? Well, Bigfoot for me seems the most credible of all cryptids in the world. Um, in almost every country you go to, there's always some wild man uh, story, whether it's the Almus or the Bigfoot or the Yeti. There is always something like that in every single country. And for me, it's the most logical um, the one with the most proof and the one that holds the most credibility in my eyes. Tell us, what are some of your other favorite unexplained creatures of the world? Well, obviously, everybody knows the Loch Ness Monster as well. In America, there's Chappie. Um, so I think lake monsters are, are huge. There are, uh, there's also animals that um, once were extinct that uh, people now still think are there, such as the uh, Tasmanian um, tiger, which is not actually a tiger. Um, there are there are hundreds and hundreds of different type of animals. The Mothman, the Owlman, um, just far too many for me to name off the top of, of my course. head right now. Is is the Tasmanian tiger the same thing as the Tasmanian devil? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. No. No. Okay. So the Tasmanian devil is a real animal. It is yes, but it and looks nothing Tas like the one on the cartoons. Tasmanian tiger is something that people have not. Yes, it's more like a dog um, with stripes. Okay. And a huge, massive uh, jaw that can retract. And um, I think it was in the 1920s or 1930s, the last one was captured um, because they were, they were hunted to extinction, unfortunately, because they were just destroying the wildlife. And um, the last one was videotaped in, in a zoo and uh, it sadly passed away. But there are reports, scatterings of reports, that they still exist. And it wouldn't surprise me if they still did somewhere. I love these stories of, of large... Um sea animals or or what did you call them you had a name for them lake Art. monsters lake monsters lake monsters are fantastic and one of my favorite stories of lake monsters came from the ancient alien series which i mentioned a couple times on this show <laughs> oh, but i love my, ancient aliens my favorite version of the lake monster story is the idea that where these lake monsters come from and go to is another dimension and that's why yeah. we can't find them all the time it's because yeah. they're they're explanation is amazing that's fantastic. Yes, I saw a documentary with um, George Tsoukalos. Of course. And it was, it was, <laughs> he's amazing. He is. Aliens. Um, he was on this uh, program just by himself researching Loch Ness Monster. And he uh, theorized that um, because of the compositions of the rocks in Loch Ness and Lake Champlain in America, there is an underground tunnel connecting them. And that because of the properties of the uh, the rocks, they uh, it's the it's the crystal, isn't it? It's the crystal and the, the granite. Crystal. The, the, yes, uh, and it creates like some sort of time distortion. So it's really a plesiosaur coming back from the, the uh, prehistoric times. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, that's great. I, I I love that guy. He's um, I would love to have him on this show. I would love to sit down with him and have a chat about all the amazing things that he talks about and believes and, and makes shows about. Uh, and, and his search is to find aliens. He's trying to, to find them. And that's uh, what I'd like to come to next. Um, I believe we all have had uh, UFO sightings in our lives. I, I had one when I was a kid. Uh, Pablo, have you, what is your UFO sighting? When, did that happen for you as well? 
Yeah, I had an experience, personal experience, about a strange object that I saw. Then I realized through the investigation about astronomy that it was a satellite that exploded, and it was very dramatic when I saw it because it looks like a ball of fire that apparently just suddenly appears and then travels a little bit and then explodes, and it was almost like a movie. Wow. And for me, it was a terrific experience, but very cool one. And then I, I learned and I matched the dates, and it was correct that it was a satellite that enters to the atmosphere. Okay. But, but I, I also had a story on my family that my parents experienced about a, a UFO, a, a quote-unquote real UFO, a mysterious object that, that had... Even some um, uh, powerful impact to my family right now because my grandfather was on there as well and he tried to, to light the, that uh, object, flying object, with his big lamp. And the lamp starts to, to turn off because he, he tried to, to, to see what it was and it starts to turn off and until this day he can't turn on the lamp, even when the circuit is completely correct, all the light bulbs are correct, he doesn't know what, what happened then. So the, the mysterious object has somehow shorted out the ability of his lamp to work. Yeah, it was very strange. And don't only my parents saw that, but a whole lot of people. They were in a camp on the, on the forest, and they saw first one object, and then a few, like four or five objects, uh, join that object and start to move like in a C formation on the sky. And then suddenly they disappear very quickly. Oh, that's good. What do they? Did yeah. they uh, report a different color of them? Were they white, yellow? Yeah, yeah, green? yeah. It was a national news the day after. What what color were the lights? I remember the story about because they told me uh, yellow and white. Yellow and white. Yeah. Uh, Art, uh, what color was yours? Or, or give us your story of a uh, UFO sighting. Uh, I actually have two stories. Oh, fantastic. Uh, one when I was um, around the age 13, 14 years old. And I remember that it was a Thursday because uh, a kid who lived across the street from me called Ian came knocking on my door asking if I was going to karate lessons that night. And I said yes. And then as I was looking at Ian, I noticed behind him in the distance there was almost like an egg-shaped object in the sky that was glowing bright white, this powerful, powerful bright centre, and it just went behind a couple of houses and disappeared. And when Ian went, I ran outside and I tried to have a look for it again, but I couldn't find it. And that was my first experience with the UFO, and I didn't really think much of it until my second experience, which happened around the age of 18, and I went outside my house, because at that time I was still living with my parents, to light a cigarette. And I stood on my front porch, lit up the cigarette, and I heard this sound, which was almost like a whoom, 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 like a low, whooping sound. And as I looked up, I saw this humongous black triangle. It was... So, it's really weird because it was so low. If I was stood on the top of my house, it was almost like I thought I could almost touch it. 
and it was gigantic and it had six glowing red lights on the bottom and really slowly just floated off into the distance and I was stood there in absolute shock and it's one of those things that really confuses me because if I was telling if someone was telling that story to me I wouldn't have believed them because what would let's say it was an alien spacecraft for example if what would aliens be doing over a tiny rural village in Yorkshire? It doesn't make any sense. If it was a, a secret government aircraft, why would they be flying so low and so obvious, obviously over a small rural village in Yorkshire? It just doesn't make sense. Sure. So it's one of those really confusing moments for me because I had to believe it because I saw it with my own eyes. But if someone else told me that story, I'd tell them they were full of it. Right. I no, I I um I would be very skeptical of uh anyone telling that story. Um although I'm inclined to believe you, sir. Um, Thank you. But I'm uh, I've had I've had my own experience as well, only um, <coughs> I have suspicions as to what something what I might have seen. Um I was out taking the dog for a walk when I was maybe I don't know, 11, 12 years old and I was walking down what we have uh, had in Florida which was like a bike trail it was an old railroad track that they turned into a bike trail and um, I was just staring off into the distance and I saw a very large reddish light slowly go across the sky and then stop and then speed off at a right angle in the other direction and uh, stood there in shock for a second thinking wow I just saw a UFO now, where I'm from in the west coast of Florida is not that far from McDill Air Force Base. So you will see every once in a while fighter pilots going by or just random U.S. Air Force stuff. So my assumption is that was some Air Force thing. Well, I don't know. Why would it be a red color? That makes no sense. Could have also been... Um, a comet of some form coming into the atmosphere, only I don't know how the phenomenon of it coming, shooting off at a right angle would be explained. But I've seen things explained that way before on some of the shows exploring uh, UFOs. I'm interested in the fact that almost everybody I know who spends time in their life staring in the sky at some point has seen something that they're not sure what it was. Yeah. And here we all are with our own stories and multiple stories about seeing UFOs. And... Yeah. The phenomenon, I don't know if it's reported more now or if it's been existing um, always, you know, if it's always been reported and it's just that we are, are better at communicating now. But I, I have a feeling um, that we should soon, I don't know, maybe we won't, but I feel like we should soon have some sort of reveal of of this being a real thing or or not as, as of of if it is if it is a real thing if we do have aliens visiting the world today i feel like in the next 5 years that we should come to some sort of a knowledge about that happening and we well, some would say that um aliens have already made contact if you uh, right. take into consideration the wow signal for example the wow signal tell us about the wow signal the wow signal is, um, I'm, I'm not an expert on UFOs, so I'll just tell you what uh, my limited uh, knowledge of this goes. Sure. 
um, a research, I think it was one of the SETI organizations, was sending uh, signals into space and received a signal back, which was 30 times stronger than any sort of white noise that can come from space. And he was so impressed by it, he wrote the words, wow, next to it and circled it. Right. And it's said to be the best evidence of communication from an extraterrestrial life. And it came from around, I think, the Orion constellation, somewhere like that. And since then, we've tried to find the wow signal again by pointing our satellites at Orion. But so far, there's been no other contact. Some people say it's genuine contact. Some people say it's just Earth's um, rays bouncing back. Who knows? Right. We don't know exactly how to characterize this thing. Yeah. Um, recently, there was a... Uh, Minister of Defense, I believe. Hold on, I'm pulling up the... Yes, the Minister of National Defense of Canada uh, did a recording with... with um, Where was he? Hold on, he was speaking to a, a panel and testifying that four races of aliens exist and that they've been in contact with uh, the United States and with Canada. Have you guys seen this this tape? No, I haven't, actually. Oh, <laughs> I should send it to you. We should all watch it so you understand. <laughs> um, Why didn't you tell us about it, Stuart? Um, well, basically, it's this this retired minister of defense from Canada who's decided that he can't hold his silence anymore and comes on to some sort of forum, public forum, that's recorded and reports that there are four different types of aliens and they're in contact and then some, you know, they all have different sort of things that they're after and that uh, it does exist. Although the more you look into it, the more you, you it's like he didn't have this um, experience directly himself. Like it, he, it's through his own partners and people within the ministries of defense in the United States and Canada that he's telling the story. But um, so it, as you, the more you look into it, the, m the more it starts to become questionable. Uh, but here is a man who's respected in his field at the top of, of his field saying, yeah, this is a real thing. Well, there's also a, um, an astronaut who worked for NASA yeah. who has since um, left, and I can't remember his name, but he's a, a firm, avid believer in alien life forms. And he's also um, compared parts of the Bible to alien spacecraft's landing. So we're going back to the ancient aliens... Uh... Yes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You, you, you can interpret some Bible stories with strange UFOs, and I think that it's very natural because at that time, they don't know nothing about yeah. nature, about what happened. So I think that's very natural, and we need to, I think, to re reiterate the concept of UFO and alien as a different thing because UFO are unknown flight object, right? And for example, in my experience, the first uh, sight that I had, it was an unknown flight object, the, the, the fire, the wall of fire. Then I realized that it was a satellite and you know, but when you start to look deeply and you still get the mystery and you don't know what happened, the most probable thing is that you are facing a, a type of life that you don't know. 
And I think that mathematically because, because. and, and in, in our reality is more probable the, the life in other parts of, of the universe that this crazy idea that we are the only living, breathing human beings or beings in the whole universe? I don't think so. I, I, agree. I fully agree. I would say it's quite uh, ignorant to think that we're the only life in the universe. Um, considering that there are billions upon billions upon billions of planets out there, at least one of them, apart from that, uh, the Earth, has to have some form of life, whether it's bacteria or something that's more intelligent than us. To be honest, I don't think we care that much if there's bacteria out there. <laughs> I, I, I would, though. I would. If we found bacteria on, uh, on Pluto, for example, or you know, Mars. Yeah, but I mean, it would be exciting for a moment. We would be like, there's bacteria on Pluto! And then we would report it. And I think within a week, everybody would be like, okay, there's bacteria on Pluto. Great. I always find it hilarious if when... If uh, that bacteria could talk to you, well, that's another, very true. that's another thing. I do find it hilarious when, uh, I think it was the Clinton administration um, reported that they'd found a bacteria on these... Uh, Martian rocks, and then it turned out to be uh, contamination from the uh, scientists working on them. Sure. <laughs> sure. And maybe the aliens are looking as right now as bacteria. Exactly. There was a, a fabulous episode of Red Dwarf, which is a, uh, if you don't know it, it's <laughs> a TV series set in this brilliant it's a comedy sitcom set in space. Yep. And uh, Lister says this fantastic line where he says, What if the aliens think that we're all diseases and they're saying, uh, don't go to Earth, it's German measles. It could yeah. be like that. It could yeah. be that there are superior beings out there, but they don't want to come here because of either war, because we're very, you know, we're a, we're a world that loves war, apparently. You know, they could think we're full of diseases, full of things that could harm them. Who knows? Right. I am inclined to believe that... First of all, there are definitely uh, races out there that are intelligent. I believe that. Second of the all, the English are one of them. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than human, um, alien races, other planets, extraterrestrials. Um, I'm also inclined to believe that we do have them that visit here. I think that that does happen. And then I don't know after that. I don't know where to take it after that. But I feel like there are aliens, and they do come to Earth. And I think partially I want to believe that. And generally speaking, when it comes to belief, it ends up being what you want to take as your reality. Of course. Although one thing we, we have to uh, take into consideration is um, whenever you talk about uh, aliens and sightings of UFOs and things like that, is the recently released documents by Edward Snowden. And uh, I'm not too sure if anyone knows about this, but uh, Edward Snowden, who is a... Uh, he used to work for the NSA in America, and then because he was fed up of all the uh, spying and illegal activities they were doing, he took a, thousands upon thousands of their documents and did a runner to Russia, and now he's releasing them. And one of them was... Um, about how to deceive a nation. And in that presentation that he released was how to fake UFO photographs. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a UFO-related release from him. Yeah, you can actually download it as well. It's, it's, a, there's no, it's just the slideshow slides. There's no, nothing to go along with it. Right. But from the slideshow, 
from the slideshow sides, sli- <laughs> <laughs> from the um, download itself, it's it's a fantastically interesting read. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll check that out, and I'll, I'll post uh, what I find on the blog post when we post this. I'm actually more inclined to believe in aliens than I am in Bigfoot. I mean, Bigfoot to me is... Uh, old guy. Well, the reason I have trouble with Bigfoot is because I know that the early photo that's the most popular photo was a hoax. And as soon Which as I... Kn- the one where he's kind of walking in the woods and it's blurry... The Pattinson-Gimley film. I don't know what it's called, but that sounds good. If, I think that's the one you're referring to. Why, why do you say it's a hoax? Uh, because I saw a... I don't remember if it was an article or a show that talked to the guy who did it and showed the costume. Hmm. I'll have to uh, look into that because I, I'm a firm believer in Bigfoot, as, you, as you're full aware um, very yeah. well aware of. Yeah. So what... What? Um, well, there have been many versions of Bigfoot sightings that have turned out to be hoaxes as well, other than the earlier ones. And, very true, yes. And the Loch Ness Monster. Has, of course, when, you, when you're shown. dealing with cryptids, I would probably say at least 80% of all sightings or evidence are hoaxes. It's very hard to actually find very opinionated, genuine evidence for them, although that doesn't shake my belief in them whatsoever. Right. Tell me again the name of the the video that you just were saying. Patterson Gimli film. Patterson. That's the classic one where they where he's walking through the woods and then turns around and looks at the camera. That sounds right. That sounds like the right one. Because the actual story was that they were filming a film an actual fictional film about finding a Bigfoot and then they just happen to stumble upon the real thing. <laughs> does, that, does that not seem too, uh, too good to be true? No, because um, I've experienced some unusual activity when I've gone out as a child um, with my friends to create uh, films. I used to me and my friends used to go out into the woods near my old house when I lived with my parents in Yorkshire. And we used to go and film zombie films. Yeah. And uh, at one point I was walking down towards where we were filming and I looked over to my left and saw this field. And at one end of the field there was a tractor and it was, you know, plowing the field. I then looked down at my phone and then literally two seconds later looked back to the tractor and it had already plowed the entire field and was on the opposite side. And that's something that I can't explain. Now, obviously, it has nothing to do with zombies, but right. things like that do happen. So it's not impossible that just because they were going out to film a fake film about Bigfoot doesn't mean they didn't capture a real one. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Although it sounds like a beautiful publicitary stunt, right? Yeah. Very yeah. true. And also, we, in terms of your story about loss of time... Um, that is something that I know you can create hypnotically in people. So, Of course, but I didn't have Darren Brown to hand at the time. What I'm wondering is what happened to you if, if that is, you know, if that were the, uh, if that were the explanation of what happened, what, what happened to you to make you not experience time for that, that piece, uh, you know, that Well, that's saying nothing. 
I looked over, I saw the tractor, looked down at my phone to check the time, looked back, and it had ploughed the entire field. It was that quick. There was no spacecraft hovering above me or flashes of light or anything unusual. Well, perhaps you were abducted by aliens. Maybe. People do um, report uh, missing time and things did, like that. Did you find strange metal in your body? <laughs> I haven't checked yet. <laughs> All right, well, hey. Do you feel some pain in some parts of your body? <laughs> oh, I've always got a headache, but that's because of the wife. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, here in Chile, related to UFOs, aliens, cryptozoology, things, there's full of different myths, different stories, and especially aliens or UFOs. Chile is a very famous place for a lot of different sites about aliens. And, and here we have several different groups that go to the mountains to a specific times of the year, and they do documentaries all through the TV, and you can find them on YouTube, that they have sites, and they, they camp through some nights and go to the desert of Atacama. That this is a beautiful place in which you have the best site in the world for the sky on the night. You have several observatories there and they join together and they do sites and they have a lot of fun. That sounds like That's a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, yeah. Atacama. Um, there's a place uh, just down the road from where I live at the moment called Il Climar. Um, which is where I do a lot of my elemental work. And they actually have a, a photograph of an alien walking in the moors around there, which is um, fantastic to uh, look at. And apparently Yorkshire is the hotspot for UFO activity in the UK. So it's good that we've got two uh, people on at the moment that have hotspots in their own uh, local village. That's good. Uh, where I grew up on the west coast of Florida is also quite... Um, popular for watching UFOs on the water over on the Gulf of Mexico. It's quite common yeah. to see strange and unexplained phenomenon going on. Um, yeah. I'm curious because we're all in different places. What the cryptozoological um, animals or experiences are as you as you were growing up. Like what did you hear about? For me, uh, it was the chupacabra was quite popularly talked about. Yeah. There was Bigfoot, who I've always I've always heard stories of, and Swamp Thing or Swamp, different Swamp phenomenon, Swamp animals of some form. There's different kinds. I mean, Swamp Thing was a comic book, but you know versions of that guy. Well, for me, obviously, living in the UK, it was obviously the Loch Ness monster. Sure, probably one of the most um, famous cryptids out there. Um, and it stayed that way up until I started to research it in more detail, really. What about, um, did you have a lot of ghosts? Um, ghosts are something that I tend to stay away from. Um, I have this, uh, it obviously depends on your own belief about what ghosts are, but I was always brought up that ghosts are the um, the spirit or soul of the person who has passed on. And obviously I don't want to offend anybody, anyone's beliefs or anything like that, but uh, I, I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in an afterlife. So for me, if there were such things as spirits, it would have to be of an afterlife. So it's something that I've sort of stayed away from and kept my nose out of, really. So I, I, but ha really... Have you had any experiences with it? Um, yes, 
even though I don't class them as ghost experiences. Okay, so other people might say have. it that. Yeah, okay. What do you class them as? Energy. Okay. Let's Good. imagine that because um, there's there's a there's a uh, a place called Temple Newsom are in Yorkshire, and that has a the Blue Lady, which was a um, a woman who used to live there, and she got attacked going home in mm-hmm. a carriage, and uh, she now haunts the this massive house. And I've seen her, even though I don't believe in ghosts. And what I believe is that when the conditions are absolutely perfect, that a memory in time can manifest itself through the walls, through the ground, through the energy in the air, and replay a memory of time. So it's not a ghost as in a spirit or a soul, but a memory, if that makes sense. It's like a holograph. Yes. Um, That makes sense. I, I like that explanation. Part of, of what I think is important in terms of everything that this podcast covers um, is the power uh, of belief and how much we owe to our understanding of everything based on what we believe and what we accept. I love that you don't believe in ghosts and have a ghost story. That's fantastic. <laughs> I have more than one. I've, I've about four or five, and I still nice. don't believe in them because it would challenge my own beliefs. Right. Because I want to believe that there isn't an afterlife or you know, a creator or anything like that. Then I choose not to believe in ghosts even though I've seen them. So it's very weird. I also quite enjoy the irony that you're an atheist who believes in uh, cryptoids and Bigfoot. That's great. <laughs> Pablo, what is the local uh, cryptoid for Chile? Is, is there a special character? Well, because Chile is a long, long country, yeah. we have a different climates. We have desert, we have mountain, we have lake, we have seas, we have volcanoes, we have earthquakes, we have everything in here. So we have different cultures, and each culture has their own different cryptozoology stuff. I can remember right now uh, a myth that is not like an animal per se, but it's very strange, I want to share. Um, this is a belief that is called the leather. Just the leather. Leather, uh, like, like uh, animal hide. Exactly, like okay. a piece of leather. Mm-hmm. Apparently, if you kill a cow, and you take the leather of the cow and you throw it to the water, to the lake, that piece of leather takes life again and swallows the little children that goes to the lake. And there are stories and reports that this thing really exists. And even to this day, some persons say, be careful, go, don't go to the water because I, I just saw a leather on there. Wow, you know? that's complex. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's very strange, and you can find a lot of different stories about that. And when someone kills a cow to have a party, you know, to, to eat meat, they don't uh, throw the leather to the water because they say, don't do it because it will take some life and will be dangerous. What actually, uh, if you do put leather in the water, does it ruin the, the leather? I'm assuming it does. I don't think so. Maybe the, the, the crude leather without any treatment with yeah. the skin of the, the cow. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a similar story in Sweden. I was in Sweden a couple of summers ago, and they have a story of this extra long horse, like a super long horse that lives in the sea, and it comes to land, 
um, and it's playful and happy and it entrances the children and the children ride the horse and as soon as they ride the horse it's full as soon as it's full of children it runs into the seas and drowns them all similar <laughs> so it does similar things uh, I, I think there's a lot of these kinds of stories in the world to keep children from running in the water because drowning yeah, yes. is, drowning is definitely a problem a strange way to educate your children but it works exactly yes it reminds me of a story that um one of my friends called Ngoni told me, and he's from Africa, mm-hmm. and he was telling me that um, in his culture, they teach kids not to go near the water or mermaids will come and take them. Yeah. Well, that might... I mean, some children might be into that. Very true. <laughs> That's a oh, these, these are the horrible <laughs> siren mermaids. <laughs> okay. Mermaids yeah, are not the aerial little mermaid ones. A little more like yeah. a larger version of the Fiji mermaid? Exactly, yes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to... Be swimming around with the Fiji mermaid. That thing creeps me out. <laughs> well, re- regarding another creature uh, on Chile, we had a, a small island in the south of Chile called, called Chiloé. And in Chiloé, you have a complete set of stories and legends and strange creatures. And one of them is called the Tuetue. The Tuetue is a black bird that has the face of a human wow uh, yeah and and it's not a bird rather a machi a, a witch that takes the form of a bird and it's very creepy because even my grandmother who was a very christian person saw the tuetue and she needs to recite a poem that you need to say to liberate the the curse of the tuetue, uh, it's very strange. Translated to English, is like uh, Tuesday, um, Tuesday today, Tuesday tomorrow, Tuesday the whole week. That's the the rhyme. Very very strange. Well, it's not a rhyme, just a line that you need to say. Can you say to, it in Spanish for us? Yeah, martes hoy, martes mañana, martes toda la semana. Okay, so it has more of a rhyme in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to hear what it sounded like. Yeah, so, so my, my grandmother saw this strange bird with a face of a human, and she needs to, to say that to, to, to keep the tuetue away. And strangely enough, she said that, and the tuetue goes away. So basically, it's a witch that takes the form of a bird that normally curses people, and, and it's a, one of the birds, one of the legends, the myths, the strange creatures that here in Chile we have. That's, That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Like, we are um, full of England, them. We have uh, alien big cats as well, which are um, not aliens at all, but uh, talking about cryptids. These are big cats that shouldn't be here, like tigers, pumas, panthers, things like that. And one of our police departments down south has admitted that there are at least three loose animals and this is this is not speculation, this is fact, because bones have been found, bodies have been found, people have been attacked, and there are videos that cannot be disputed. Obviously, there are ones that are just cats in the distance, you know, normal house domestic cats. But there are videos that cannot be disputed of very large animals, um, such as jaguars and panthers, roaming around the lands of uh, the UK. That'd be frightening. It is, it is. I mean, I... 
don't want to take my daughter because she's only four years old to Ilkley Moor, even though I perform there all the time, just in case we get attacked. But I'm happy to go there myself. <laughs> well, I love with all the stories of mythical monsters in the world that we often forget about the real monsters that actually exist, that we have, you know, historically grown to have natural fears um, about. I mean, I grew up in Florida. We had alligators. I mean, it was always something to look out for if you're around lakes and things to you keep your eyes open for alligators because they do, you know, they do have the ability to be dangerous. Definitely. And a lot of people... Um, uh, have misconceptions about cryptozoology because it's not just looking for very fantastical creatures such as, you know, dinosaurs or um, lake monsters. We also do research into, you know, toads and frogs and newts and marsupials. It's the, the Centre for Fortean Zoology have um, been very, very active in naming and discovering lots of different insects and toads and frogs and they've actually found a, a mammal in another country and they often disprove a lot of um, theories on cryptozoology as well so it's not just a load of whack jobs going around searching for dinosaurs um, it, has, it is genuine research although I do believe some people do it ridiculously bad and incorrect. I've never thought about it that way I like that actually um, it's kind of like searching for Troy and actually finding something historically. So looking at the myth to find the realities and seeing, seeing what, you know, what's really there. That seems to be very functional to me. Yeah. Cause all myths stem from a nugget of truth. Sure. Whether it's the whole truth or just a teeny tiny fraction of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, that we're back on cryptoids again. I think it's time to do the mystery of the week. Mystery of the week. So the mystery of the week this this week uh, there was a report of a pterosaur or some form of pterodactyle that was videotaped, and I believe Pablo, you brought this up as the mystery of the week. I had seen this posting as well. Why don't you tell us about it a bit? No, I didn't bring it. You didn't? Who brought it up? Oh it no, me. you brought it up. <laughs> eh, I'm a fool. And it was Art who brought it up. So Art, tell us uh, uh, what's the story of the pterosaur. Um, it's something I actually uh, found out on Facebook. Um, I think it was in Idaho. Um, someone videotaped a pterodactyl or pterosaur flying through the air. It's only a very short clip, maybe about 20, 30 seconds. And it shows what appears to be a very large winged creature flying. Um, it's got quite a lot of views on YouTube. Um, and people are debating whether it's a genuine creature or if it's CGI. Um my own personal beliefs, I'm unsure at the moment. Very unsure, because like a lot of these videos that come out, it's just wobbly and just distorted enough to sort of go, oh, yeah, that, it, I, oh, I don't really know. I can't really tell. Very cleverly done. My, under, my uh, best take on the video, if it's not real, is uh, that they videotaped an actual bird and just added that head to it. That's what it looks like to me, that they have, you know, that because that, it looks very much like a bird flying. It looks quite convincing on that. If I was to create this thing, I would take a video of a very large wingspanned bird and add a pterosaur head to it to make it look like a pterosaur. Not that that's something I would do, but... You see, I'd just go and find a real pterosaur. 
<laughs> Mine would be easier. <laughs> Very true. I just but looked it up. Of, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. There are reports of living dinosaurs. These the uh, Mokelia mbembe in Africa, which is supposed to be a uh, some form of Brachiosaurus or Diplodocus or Diplodocus, however you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. um, there's Stegosauruses and Triceratops out there. So who knows? The, the dinosaurs could still be alive in some very remote parts of the world. Have you looked at the um, the findings to that people use to support the idea that humans lived while they were dinosaurs? And I'm not talking about the Christians who believe that, which I find to be quite um, amazing. Uh, but the, <laughs> there's um, there are temples in in uh, I think there's there are some temples around where I am in, here in, in Asia that uh, have what looks like a stegosaur carved into the imagery and, and I think a triceratops. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Does that ring a bell for you? Yes. Um, it's all subject to interpretation, isn't it? Very much like the, uh, the Apache helicopter in the Egyptian tombs. Right. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it could be a stegosaurus or a triceratops or it could be another type of animal just embellished slightly because back then if you see something once you have to embellish and you have to make things a bit more fantastical because it was all about storytelling back in those times so to get people listening and engaged you had to embellish slightly so who knows it could be real it could not be right there's no way to tell I think mm. we. I don't think that that's a uh, ancient trait. I think we definitely still embellish our stories, <laughs> and we true, have the yes. means to make them very convincing. I just looked up the uh, the pterosaur spotted over Idaho, and the top uh, Google hit was uh, the Daily Mail. Oddly enough, <laughs> don't just anything the Daily Mail publishes. Seriously, <laughs> it's awful. Daily unexplained so sightings of mystical. And prehistoric creatures to UFOs. It's pretty safe to say that humans relish a good mystery. So it very much applies for us. And this bizarre footage captured in Idaho will surely whet the appetite of conspiracy theorists around the globe. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding that topic, um, I don't. I, I just saw also the the image, and I don't think that is real. I don't think that you can find a a dinosaur in the classic sense right now. Maybe you can find a strange uh, type of bird that you don't know scientifically, but I don't think that classic dinosaurs, as the older ones are, can be found in this modern world. And regarding the, the existence of humans and dinosaurs, I believe that, not in the Christian traditional sense in which you believe that the world is created in six days, you know, that is 24 our sure. day. Yeah. But I think I think that that humans and a type of dinosaur, a type of lizard, big lizard, uh, lived in the same in the same age. I think so. Hmm. Why Why do you think that? Because there are some scientific uh, findings about um, yeah, uh, layers of earth found in which you can find uh, human human steps and also uh, bones of a type of dinosaur. Then archaeologists found that. 
I, I've all, I've seen similar things uh, showing um, dinosaur footprints alongside human footprints, but I've also seen those same images shown in articles saying that it's Christians trying to um, validify their belief system by making a hoax. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm still skeptical of the whole thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hoax per se, but um, there's a, a fabulous website called Bad Archaeology. And um, it takes things such as out-of-place artifacts and, um, you know, dinosaur footprints alongside human footprints and explains them scientifically. And I don't think they're hoaxes, but they're just misinterpreted. Right. Such as the, the you know, screws that you find inside of ancient uh, pieces of rock. Some of them, actually, I think, are old um, shell fossils. And others are screws that fell into something that is became a malleable piece of rock but then hardened that kind of thing every time you hear stories about this it's always some little boy cracked open a piece of coal or a piece of rock found the screw inside and then took it to the newspapers right you never see it you never see photographs of it it's always stories and second-hand um, accounts Uh, there's you can find photographs there's some photographs that i found when i was researching for this yeah but, but but the thing the interesting thing for me is that if we think about dinosaurs, we, we get a very, very movie-like image, right? About uh, Jurassic Park, you know, that type of image. And I think that in a way or other, because I am a believer that the, the, the way in which you can size the... the, the the age of something is very, very, very malleable. You know, the, the, the liberation of, uh, of uh, how, how do you call this element in English? Carbon? Carbon, carbon yeah. testing. Carbon. Yeah, yeah, the liberation of carbon, carbon is very... Carbon dating, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's very flexible and it's not uh, mathematically progressive. And you can find, for example, an, uh, <laughs> a, a skeleton... An arc. <laughs> yeah, you got to roll your cigarette away from the microphone. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, you can find a skeleton of a cat that uh, just uh, died yesterday or a month ago, and you go to the lab to do the, the carbon uh, test, and you can find that apparently has one million years ago. Uh, so, so I don't think that um, dinosaurs are were living in like millions, millions of years. I don't think that the Earth is that old i don't think also that the earth has six thousand years and as some christians said but but for that reason i think that it's possible to to the humans to coexist with some type of dinosaur Hmm. well yeah it's not impossible at all um i fully agree with that um i'm not an expert on carbon dating so i can't really comment on that at all but uh i think it's within the realms of possibility that humans and some form of dinosaur like you say did exist at the same time right yeah i i I agree that the possibility of course is going to exist and is intriguing um but i do think the earth is way older um than uh, it's an old old piece of stone in the sky Um, she's very old is my mother she is she's very old exactly and uh i do think that Intelligent human races are older than we generally 
agree historically? Of course, there was um, uh, a recent discovery, I think it was in around about 2010, of a, of a place called uh, Goblepi Te- Gobleki Tepe. Um, and uh, it's, it's around about 12,000 years old. And it's this amazingly beautifully carved temple. Yes. And it sort of redefined what we know about our prehistory and our ancestry. And it's things like that that have been discovered year after year. That just proves that we know so little about our ancestry. In your neck of the woods, there's a lot of things that are extraordinarily old that you can't explain. You've got Stonehenge, you've got um, <laughs> a well, slew yes, of, of different hinges. <laughs> well, just recently, um, they've discovered a, uh, a site very near Stonehenge, which is, could be an extension of it. That's, I think, ten times the size. Right. Um, and it's the oldest um, monolithic site in the UK. I read an interesting book years ago, and I, I will try to find out what it was. I think it was one of the um, the books studying the origins of um, Solomon's Key and those all that book series um, that talked about the Grooveware people. And the Grooveware people are is a name for the people that created. Um, Oh man, I can't remember the name of it. Do, do you know what the there's a space in Ireland that's supposed to be the best, the most amazing place to go watch the solstice uh, sunrise? And is it a, that mound of um, yes, that burial mound? Yes, I've been there before. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, it's a yeah. It, well, anyway, so th- what they found is that uh, they call them the groove, grooveware people because they make these these hash marks. Um, as sort of a written language or a way to mark. Uh, time or dates or something, and they tra- they sort of followed the history of these these people, and they believe them to be a very uh, well developed society from very 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 long time ago, pre ancient Egypt, because these stone building people were pre pre ancient Egypt, and the theory is that they actually had a trade route that went from Ireland to uh, Egypt. And that there was an exchange, and as part of that exchange, the knowledge of using and manipulating stone was brought to Egypt, and that wow. that that knowledge comes from this ancient Northern European, uh, Northern England and Irish people who are known as the Grooveware people. It's quite an interesting and fascinating look at uh, the history before Egypt. That's that's really 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 interesting. There's another story well. about the head of the Sphinx being um, an earlier carving before Egypt, and that it was a carving by another culture, and then a pharaoh decided to uh, carve it into a pharaoh's head um, during the Egyptian reign, and that it probably was a lion or something else before. Wow, well, that, that wouldn't surprise me because a lot of our knowledge on the Sphinx, Sphinx is basically just guesswork. Sure. There are no records of it, really. Well, the people that downplay that idea are the people who don't believe that, peop- that humans were developed enough to have created that. But Galepi Tepe proves that we were. Sure. Tempe. Tepe? Where, where is that? Tepe. Ah, uh, um... A desert somewhere. <laughs> this is a job for Google. How do I, what, how do I write this? 
G-O-B-L-E-K-I, I believe. Got it. Ah, there we are. Uh, only the top two hits are uh, Jobekli Tepe and then Jobekli Gobekli Tepe hoax is the second one. Hoax? <laughs> it's a hoax. How can we hoax that? I mean, yes, there are a lot of hoaxes Jobekli out there, but to hoax something like that take years. Like is an archaeological site at the top of a mountain range in the southeastern Anatolia region of Turkey. Okay, so it's... Tur- oh, yes, okay. Sorry, I do know this one. It's been dubbed the most important archaeological discovery of our lifetime. 10th to 8th millennium BCE. That's great. And there's carvings of foxes and what looks like an alligator of some form. Beautiful artwork. And only, I think, about 15% of it has been unearthed. Right. Just hard to say. Gobekli Tepe. Sounds like Mexican to me, not Turkey. (laughs) Mexican. (laughs) What is Mexican? (laughs) Do you you mean a native uh, tongue of Mexico, or do you mean Mexican Spanish? No, no, the, the language, language. What what is the language you call Mexican? Is there a Mexican language that's not Spanish? Well, well, it's, it's the the way the Spanish the the Mexican way to do it. Right. So okay. Their accents more like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like uh, like you would say that I speak American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Americanish. Americanish, exactly. I I invent my own word. Sorry, I, I have a Dalinian type of English, so. If I don't know something, I create it. <laughs> All right. I'm the same, to be honest. <laughs> Mexican, Spanish. We'll just yeah, call Chilean Mexican. is, the, is the, the Spanish for Chile. Chilean. <laughs> Do you, can, can you name the, um, I remember that you took some photographs last year or, or, or at the beginning of this year that you said yes. that they, they were validated as a real photographs? Yes. Um, for the past two years, I've been traveling to Austria to a place called Traunze Lake. And um, it has a legend of a water horse. Actually, it's a mermaid riding on the back of a water horse. So um, my, my parents actually have a house out there. So when I go visit them, I will uh, bug them for ages to go to Traunze Lake. So we spent a week there. And uh, every day I would sit at the lake trying to spot this creature. And on the fifth day out of seven, I spotted a lake monster and I took a photograph of it. And uh, there are two photographs circulating around the internet. They're quite hard to find, but if you know where to look, you can find them. Of uh, a lake monster that I captured. And I'm very proud to say that I'm the first person in the world to take a photograph of the, uh, the lake monster. I've seen, I've seen some of these photographs. Where do you share these? What, what do you, what's the... Um, well, I sent them to the Centre for Forty and Zoology... And um, I spoke to Jonathan Downs, who's the uh, director of the uh, said organization, and he sent them off to a laboratory in Germany to be analyzed, and they came back as authentic. Um, there is a few YouTube videos. Um, they're on the Center for Fortean Zoology's podcasts. Um, but I'm trying to create um, a book at the moment, basically outlining my uh, discovery. And I want to have a few more focus pictures because the ones that I've taken are a little bit blurry, a little bit shaky. I'd love to get a video of it. So at the moment, I'm kind of keeping the majority of the pictures private until I can properly release them. 
That's very exciting. And what is this creature? Um, what was your beliefs about it? Uh, I've no idea because a lot of people assume that lake monsters are plesiosaurs, but it would be impossible for a plesiosaur to act the way that these animals are described, which is where the neck rises out of the water, because a plesiosaur cannot raise their neck that high up. It would, it would snap their neck. Um, a lot of paleontologists have said this already, so I don't believe it's a plesiosaur. Personally, I believe it's some form of either an unknown animal that we have yet to discover, or some sort of giant eel. Oh, that would be interesting. Would the eel? How would the eel be? Uh, I guess it would have to be so big that it could raise its neck out of the water. Yeah, I mean, I, I go scuba diving, and I've seen some pretty big eels in my lifetime, I can tell you. But there's also theory that there are giant catfish, or sturgeons. Okay. And sturgeons have a ridged tail. backs. Yeah. Which should explain why some people describe it to have almost spikes on its back. If it is a large sturgeon, for example. Mm-hmm. The final thing I'd like to discuss, really, is um, why I believe in Bigfoot so much. Um, this was something that I started to talk to Stuart about before we started recording, and Stuart yeah, seemed quite interested to is, hear my theory on why I firmly believe in Bigfoot. So um, I, I apologise if I ramble a little bit, but there are cultures and tribes living in jungles out there that are so secluded that they don't even have names for certain animals because they see them so rarely. There are animals out there that are so elusive, even science has only spotted them maybe once or twice in their entire existence. So it's not within the realms of, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that there is some hominid creature out there that has existed. Now, if you go to any country in the world, there'll be at least one or two stories of wild men or some sort of hominid creature in the wild. And let's say, for example, that they generally do exist, which I believe they do. It's an intelligent creature because it's avoided man for so long. It's obviously a shy creature and it will have learned very basic vocal abilities, heightened sense of smell maybe, so if people are coming near it, it knows where to go. It will probably live in some sort of dwelling, cave or underground system, which is why we hardly ever see them. If it is that intelligent, it will obviously have some sort of relationship with its, you know, um, partners and children. So when some one of them dies, they will have a burial site for them, which is why we don't have um, bones or anything like that. Same with feces. They will obviously have some sort of toilet area. Um, there's more than enough um, wildlife out there for, to sustain a small family or a few small families of these creatures or hominids. And it's just, it seems logical that if they were around, we wouldn't be able to find them because of their elusiveness, their shyness, their ability to um, hide when they know we're around. I once saw a, a documentary where they were trying to search for the Yeti and there was over 150 Sherpas, each carrying a bright coloured bag and pots and pans on the back, banging and clattering around, singing songs, playing instruments... And when they camped, they each had their own multicoloured tent, cooking their own food. So if I was this elusive creature such as the Yeti, and I saw from a distance over 150 tents, all brightly coloured with all these strange smells and strange noises that I weren't familiar with, of course I would do a runner. I wouldn't go a mile near them. 
So no wonder they haven't spotted them. Some of these people that go searching for creatures have no idea how to do it properly, which is why they haven't been spotted. Right. And it just baffles me why science doesn't take it seriously. No, because there is a story, and so it's based on something. Exactly. Whether it's... Um, whether it's uh, some feral child who's grown up to become a human, you know, that's grown up to become an adult, or whether it is a genuine Bigfoot or Almus or right. uh, Orang Pendek. Well, that makes sense to me. And, and um, supporting sort of story would be the tribes that exist in the Amazon that uh, that haven't had contact with humanity. I just saw the other day a posting of a flight over a tribal uh, area um, showing that there are people in a place that that um, was in danger of being destroyed by um, you know knocking the trees down and 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 uh, cultivating that land and the reason that they did this is to show that there are people living down there and to leave them alone uh, so yeah. you know if if there are people in the world that we've not discovered and had contact with there's definitely animals that we don't know about of course and there's count every day there's a new animal being discovered and there's this a uh, scientist who said if you want to discover a new animal look in your back garden and she did that did just that she went into a back garden she discovered i think 30 new types of worm seven new types of bee a new type of butterfly you know, it doesn't have to be a unicorn or a cyclops. Right. You know, there are new animals being discovered everywhere and anywhere. But, uh, where are the areas that Bigfoot lives? Um, forests. Everywhere and anywhere. Well, I know, uh, I know he's in the United States, but is he, the, is he in, in Canada probably too? But is he other Canada, places? Russia. There's okay. even a, a Bigfoot story in England. Um, obviously in the Himalayas, the Yeti. There right. are... Everywhere and anywhere you could find a wild man story. It's like it's like an archetype because in Chile we also had a type of of Bigfoot here. Okay, so it's international. Great. Mm-hmm. Every culture in the world has a wild man story. The Chinese, everyone. Yeah, they do. Cool man. In Hong Kong, they have this weird, freaky guy with a mustache and beard. They do. He's two <laughs> meters tall. <laughs> That record some videos on Skype calls and make some edited. <laughs> yeah, strange. I actually have to come back on uh, to go look into uh, what the the local cryptoids are here because I'm sure there's lots. There's there's really cool, very different stories of all kinds of characters. There's um, there's a different version of a vampire in Asia that lives it's a spirit from a tree it's a very strange story um well dragons for example they're huge oh well dragons but dragons are a different thing and um they're more it's more like there is belief in them in a real sense but it's more viewed as like an energy thing actually but uh the belief in dragons or the use of dragons even goes into the architecture when you look at the skyline of hong kong there are a lot of buildings that have these big open spaces between them. So they're like a, it's like a building with a big hole in it. And the, the big hole is part of the architecture. And the big hole is actually supposed to be to let the dragons fly through. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And have you, um, you should... seen that video on YouTube of uh, it's somewhere in China of um, these two people filming the sky, and there are two dragons fighting behind the clouds. No. It's beautiful to watch. Nice. I'm... And regarding dragons, if you think about it, the oriental zodiac signs, you have rabbit, you have dog, you have normal animals, but you also have a dragon. Mm. Uh, and every country in the world has a, a dragon myth. England is very famous for dragon myths, yeah. or wyverns as they're called. I always wondered how, um, how much the existence internationally of a belief in a dragon uh, existed because of dinosaurs. Very true. Maybe they are dinosaurs. Maybe they're ter uh, pterodactyls just been misidentified. The character of a Chinese versus an English dragon are very different, though. Oh, they are very different. Uh, but also, um, we will tell the listeners, um, if you have a cryptozoological story or a UFO story or sighting, please uh, send us a message at mysteriousworldpodcast at gmail.com and let us know about it. Um, and actually, you might win something because that's part of our competition of the best stories of ufo sightings or mysterious sightings and experiences of any sort um, we will be posting a bunch of videos and images and um, articles on ufos and cryptozoological things on the blog um, following this podcast so take a look at that um, also you can find more info on art vanderlei let's uh or how do you find more info on you? So if anybody would like to contact me, you can contact me on Art Vanderlei Mysteries. Vanderlei is spelt with an R, unlike the George Costanza pseudonym. <laughs> Art Vanderlei Mysteries at gmail.com. And I'm currently working on a website which deals with all my cryptozoological uh, expeditions and sightings and recent findings. All right, and we will post that once that's live. Uh, just let us know. Uh, you can also contact us by going to mysteriousworldpodcast.com and find out any of this information. Uh, you can find out more info about me by searching any uh, social media for Stuart Palm. You'll find me, or you can go to my website, stuartpalm.com, and you can find out more about Pablo Amira um, through uh, the um, Mysterious World podcast website or you can go to facebook pablo why don't you give them that facebook again yeah and please don't tell me that i need to spell that thing but it's in, in spanish pablo mira mentalista pablo mira mentalista all right and, and you can if you if you need that spelled out we will have it <laughs> on the mysterious world podcast.com and if you want to join our facebook group you can join it at www.facebook.com slash groups slash Mysterious World Podcast. Pablo? Yeah? Could you do me a favor and say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? But in Spanish or English? Can you say it in <laughs> Spanish? What? Can you say it in Spanish? And in Spanish, of course. Go on then. Are you ready? Yeah. Supercalifragilisticoespiralidoso. Oh, oh, it's much wow. better. Much better in Spanish. <laughs> That's sexy. I must admit that is sexy. <laughs> I saw your orgasm. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, now I'm gonna have to listen to that a hundred times and try to learn to say it. So can you speak Chinese then? Uh, very little. I can, I can, I speak taxi. I can tell the taxis where I need to go, <laughs> left and right, stop here, over and Is, um, Ni Hai, is that hello? Uh, Ni Hao. Ni Hao? Yeah. Awesome. Ni Hai is this kind of stocking. 